Today is Christmas. It's here. We made it. What, what did you get for Christmas? Kids, have you opened any presents yet? What did you get? Nice, nice. Anyone else open anything? We're going to see this morning uh, in the sermon that we have been given the best gift of all. So, but first, let me pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you, you do speak to us, that you have given us your word to read and to learn and to understand. Lord, I pray that as I proclaim your word, that your gospel will go forth, that people will know the good news of Christmas, good news that you came and what that means. Lord, prepare us as we come to hear from you today, and may you be glorified. Amen. Throughout December, uh, we've been looking at God Speaks, and we're continuing that today, looking at the ultimate culmination of God's word, Jesus. First of all, we looked at how God spoke to the problem of sin. We all know that the world is, is broken and bent, distorted, twisted, cursed. And Genesis tells us that this brokenness is because of sin. Sin is here because of the actions of Adam, our father. Sin has affected the whole world, and it is in us too. We saw how it was God who was the one who was initiated. How in the midst of his judgment, he spoke of grace. He spoke of one who would come and deal with sin and crush the head of the serpent. Next, Sam took us through how God spoke through the prophets. The Bible, the book of salvation, reveals to us the God who redeems us and who leads us to himself. It's not surprising that the Messiah, the Saviour, holds a prominent place in every part of Scripture. Jesus himself says, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. John 5, 39. Depending on on how you count it, there are between two and five hundred prophecies concerning Christ that have been fulfilled in Jesus. There are Let's list just a few of the obvious Christian uh, Christmas ones, like we read this morning, um, referenced by Matthew in his Gospel, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. Or, or like we heard yesterday from Sam, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are so many more prophecies concerning Jesus from Moses and David, Isaiah, Zechariah, Micah, Daniel, Malachi and others. All of these Old Testament scriptures, they point us to Christ, predicting that he will come, why he would come and what he would be like. A couple of weeks ago, Sam showed us one of these prophecies from Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. He would be our substitutionary atonement for us, and how how Jesus fulfilled that on the cross. He spoke about how we all carry the burden of sin. Jesus 
took that burden upon himself, substituting himself in our place, atoning for our sin on the cross. And now we have peace, true peace, peace with God. And then just over a week ago, Alon showed us that God spoke of good news of great joy. He spoke of how the world celebrates with cheer and tinsel, but their celebration is hollow and empty and has no substance. But the news that God delivered to the shepherds via the angels and recorded by Luke and others, he showed us that it was true and good and for us. And so we come to our passage today, Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of by the word of his power. As we've seen throughout history, God was speaking to his people. He spoke promises. He spoke hope. He spoke blessing of all, to all nations. But now he spoke by his son, Jesus. Let us take a moment to pause and consider this. If you've hung around Christians for a while, maybe you've heard this stuff a hundred times and, and the significance has worn off a bit. But think about this. This is the one who created the universe through the power of his words. This is the one who is God and everything that goes along with that. In all his glory and power, both the Son of God and the exact imprint of God at the same time. And if, if that sounds a bit confusing, then come and chat to me afterwards. But this, this person who is infinitely powerful, who has existed from eternity past, this person became a little baby to speak to us. Sure, some religions have gods that give people messages. Some even have tales of gods coming down and pretending to be human or, or even having demigod offspring. But this is different. Jesus isn't just pretending he isn't playing make-believe. And he isn't some half-God as he takes upon himself humanity. Jesus is 100% fully God, and yet now also 100% fully human. Like, isn't this simply amazing? Like, truly amazing? And the question you should have is, why? Why would God who has lived forever and needs nothing, come and take on humanity. Looking back at the previous sermons that led up to Christmas, we know from the scriptures why Jesus came. We know that he is the answer, the answer to sin. He came to give himself for us, to rescue us so that we could have him forever. What could be more valuable than to be rescued from death and restored to our Creator. Let's take a moment to consider all the ways that you might acquire something of great value. First of all, you might buy it. Maybe you're fortunate enough to have 
the cash on hand to, to go and buy this valuable treasure that you've set your eyes upon. Maybe, maybe you don't have the cash now, but you know that you can work for it. Maybe you can put in time and effort, use your skills and your labor in exchange for this valuable possession. Or thirdly, you might realize that this is so valuable, so out of reach, beyond your resources of cash or labor, your only option is to receive it as a gift. But who would just give you something so valuable without asking for something in return first? Salvation, being rescued from eternal death to eternal life, is surely something to be treasured. Let's see how our options of attaining something stack up. Some people think that they can buy salvation with their money. They pour, pour their cash into charities and philanthropic endeavors or churches. They give to people who need it. And they think that by their generous giving that they have paid for their salvation. Secondly, some people think that they can earn it through good works, through community engagement, their time volunteering either on committees or down on the streets helping the poor and the vulnerable, that maybe a life of servitude demonstrates the good works and that they could maybe earn a salvation. But neither of these two are capable of obtaining salvation. What, what dollar value would you place on a deal where you exchanged a never-ending existence full of misery and pain for a never-ending life living in perfect harmony with the all-powerful creator. A million dollars? One billion dollars? It is estimated that the entirety of the gold, both on and in the earth, is worth about 20 trillion US dollars. But would that be enough? Not even close. And besides, what value is there to God to give something that he made in the first place, with, with just his words? He has no need for your gold. But more than that, if I can buy my salvation, why was it necessary for Christ to die on the cross? Was it all just some big mistake on God's part? No, God doesn't make mistakes. And the same goes for works. How could you work off your debt of sin while you're still living in sin? As Sam said, We all carry this burden of sin, and each and every step that we take, our burden increases. Our debt grows. We can't simply work it off. And again, if I can earn salvation through good works, then why should Jesus, the innocent one who has done no wrong, have shed his blood for me? Again, it was no mistake. This was the way that God planned it from the beginning, This was the plan. And so what choices do I have left? I can't buy salvation. I can't work for it either. And it is because I can never buy it or earn it that it must be given to me. Now, kids, uh, who here, when, when they received their parents this morning, needed to hand over money so that you could get your presents? Did you have to give mum and dad some money before you could get your presents? No? How about, did you have to go and mow the lawn quickly or do some extra jobs to kind of earn your presence? No, of course not. That's, that's not how gifts work. As, as a father, I can tell you that kids are experts in gifts. 
from even the earliest of age. They understand what's going on. They see the wrapping paper and they know what to do. They don't need to be told. And these, these gift experts, they can all tell you that gifts are free. And this is the only way that salvation can come to us, as a gift of God's grace. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. The meaning of Christmas, who Jesus is and why he came, is clearly given to us in Matthew 1, 21 to 23. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. There is no doubt that Christmas is all about God and how his son became a man and dwelt among us. This is what Paul wrote about in his second chapter to the Philippians. Who, though he, which is Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If we, if we ever doubt that God loves us, these verses here should remove such doubt. God loves you, and so much more. He humbled himself in his Son to come amongst us. Can you think of a greater demonstration than that? Not likely. God didn't just sit in heaven. He made himself known. Not just through the prophets speaking words that God gave them, but through himself. He came down as the very word of God. He is the message of God. He is the serpent crusher. The one who was spoken back way back in Genesis 3. God made good on his promise. He provided a way, and that way is himself. The Apostle John likewise made it clear that it is God in Christ who came to earth to live amongst men and women. John 1.14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the central fact of Christianity, the heart of, of our religion, The wonder of wonders is this wonderful faith of Christ's incarnation, that he was the full manifestation of truth and grace. The most perfect way of conveying the truth to our understanding. It can only be described as love in action. And this is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you see from this verse what you need to receive salvation, to to receive eternal life? All you have to do is believe. And this this is called faith. It is not a work, not a sign of our wisdom or our intellect, but a gift too. Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Tim has been taking us through Hebrews chapter 11, 
And one of the things that we've learned from him is that faith is not just a belief, like hope without reason, but it is trust. Belief in someone so strong that you, you trust them, that what they say, they'll do. Some people say that they believe. They, they call themselves Christians, but they still try and hedge their bets. They still don't trust, but think, surely I have to do something. Surely I have to pay my way through, through money or good deeds. But if you need to pay, then it isn't a gift. Trust in Jesus. Trust that he came and completed his mission. He didn't fall short. He didn't accomplish 99% and needs you to do the last bit. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Completed. Done. So how do we respond to such a gift? Again, let's look at kids. They are, as I said, experts in gifts. And there are two common responses that you can learn from kids. The first one is thankfulness. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. I love it. Maybe they throw in a, you're the best. Or as our five-year-old has taken to saying, you're the bomb. And second, they need to show it off to others. They can't help but tell everyone what they've received. Look, come and see what I got. Come and see. So for you here today, God has spoken, not just through the prophets, but through his son, Jesus. Listen and believe. See what your God has done for you. For those that do not yet trust in Jesus for salvation, hear and believe. Turn to God and receive the free gift of faith and salvation that can only come from Jesus. If this is you, or if you want to know more, before you make a decision, I'd love to talk with you more. But for those who, who already believe, remember, as you open your presence today or as you share in the joy of gift giving, remember the great gift that has been given to you. Remember what you have been saved from and how you could never atone for yourself. Remember that you could never pay, but that Jesus Christ came and paid for you and given you life eternal. And then, as you remember, worship. Thank the Lord for all that he has done. Worship him in thankfulness and in joy, and share the good news of what you have received. As we've seen this December leading up to Christmas, which is today, we've, we've seen that the world is groaning under the curse of sin. Our burdens have been weighing us down. But there is good news God has spoken and dealt with our sin. On the cross, it was defeated once and for all. And this is only possible because Jesus came down. As I finish this sermon, let me read the words that have been resonating with me this Advent season from O Holy Night. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you and remember what you have done for us. How you left heaven and came down to earth as a baby. 
Lord, remember that you had a purpose in coming. It was part of your plan for us, to rescue us, to redeem us to yourself, to bring us into your family and to adopt us as your very own. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us already in Christ Jesus. Help us to trust you all the more. And we don't have to try and make it on our own, but that on the cross you completed your mission, that you have done it all for us, given yourself for us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen.